I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marit Larwood. Hello, film lovers and people who found this podcast by accident and will shortly be deleting it. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for a terrible secret. That'll keep them out. Oh, yeah, what yeah. would it be? Well, don't, that doesn't matter. Have we got any terrible secrets? Well, we'll find out. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> So, we're going to be talking about films again this week, um, and as uh, as uh, listeners last week will be aware, Marek has managed to see every single Best Film nominee from the Oscars, uh, which is quite a feat, I think. Um, well done. It's uh, due to my continued unemployment. Well, it's odd, though, because even though you may be currently unemployed, you are on the television trails of TV shows quite a lot. I've, oh. I've seen you on Drunk Histories. Uh, the one job I had days. last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well. So you, you're giving the deception of being busy. I'm not. I'm one week away from temping. Oh. Anyway, but I went to um, the cinema. I've got a new... F- I've been going to the Crouch End Picture House. Still good? Still enjoying it? I love it. it. It's brilliant. What a great cinema. It's, got, it's also done really 1950s and there's a bar upstairs. I mean, I do sneak in my own drink and popcorn, though. What kind of drink? Hmm? What kind of drink? Yeah. Okay. Diet Coca-Cola. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the Picture House Central in Central London is also very nice and done sort of 1950s, got a nice bar and all of that, you know. The seats are lovely. Oh, they are lovely seats, aren't they? Um, sometimes I just go there and sit in the dark before they open. Oh, I can imagine how that would feel. Mm, it'd be lovely. It'd be lovely. Um, so, what did you see this well, week? Well, the film we're going to talk about first is Spotlight. Spotlight. The last of the Oscar nominees. Do you know what? I think it's the best one. Really? Yeah. Because it seemed to come out of nowhere in terms of, for, for the British anyway, who... I don't think the publicity for the film had even sort of really started before the nominations for Oscars came out. And there it was. And we said, what's this one? Yeah, I didn't know what it was about at all. No. Oh, did I tell you what it's about? Yeah. What do you, what do you think it's about? Nonsense. Yeah. 
not just normal ones. Yeah. Are you a member of Spotlight? God. <laughs> I remember Spotlight the acting. Speaking of nonsense. I'm, I remember you... a Spotlight. You'll find my face on Spotlight the acting thing. Yeah. You, I'm not on a equivalent site for paedophiles who work in, in the church. Well, well done. Thank you. Well done. It's been a struggle. <laughs> no, we shouldn't make jokes. But it's, um, no. So this is a story about how the Boston Globe in the early um, like 2000, well, two, a few, 2007, 2008, uncovered the huge story about um, paedophilia mm. in the church in Boston and how it spread and maybe up to, someone thought that up to 6% of the local, uh, what would you call it? I know. I, priests. Priests. Or were, Catholic Church, is yeah, it? Were, right, uh, then it's priests. Had, had committed sexually, sexual offences. 6%. It is stag- It is staggering. It makes the hairs go up my arm how, te- how terrifying it is. And this is done, I think, it feels very much like um, All the President's Men, which I think is a brilliant film. You know, the uh, Watergate scandal with yes. Dustin Hoffman and... Um, Robert Redford. Yeah, which had a brilliant soundtrack from David Shire, mm. which is a great film. This is great. Maybe um, it doesn't necessarily scale those heights, or does it? it? I think the subject matter is so important and handled perfectly because you're handling a bit. So many people were abused, and you can be you could go too melodramatic and make it that sort. Of, it's not made into a sort of teary. Yeah thing it's made um it, it's more about the investigative side of it and how they uncovered it and uh i think you've got michael you've got some brilliant acts in here michael keaton's in it uh rachel mccallum's is quite good and mark ruffalo he plays a sort of a journalist who's a bit autistic maybe right he's good at that uh, uh, mark ruffalo is amazing and this is i talked last week about best actors hmm it feels like he's the sort of Michael Keaton's lead and Mark Ruffalo's the lead, but Mark Ruffalo's the best supporting actor. Right. Odds of thirty-three to one. I've looked him up. I think he's. I think it's one of the best performances I've seen. Mark Ruffalo out of all the Oscar contenders. He, he's never boring, is he, Mark Ruffalo? Even in something as you know, sort of uh, trad and dumb as uh, the Avengers movies, playing uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk. He's still him. just like. Oh, you're interesting. <laughs> He's so watchable. And There's the, more going on than the lines you're saying. And you I, know? Think that's, that's I think the same with Michael Keaton as well. Yeah. I think you've got two absolutely brilliant actors and you could just give them the... I'd love to see them do terrible scripts. Someone to give them the shittest scripts in the world. Yeah. And they could still make it great. Yeah. But nonetheless, this is done in a really classy way, I think. Uh, without being... It doesn't feel it ever crosses that line into melodrama or... To, to, and I found it intensely moving. And right at the end, I mean, it's not really spoilers. They show all the places, just in black and white print, of all the places that they found sort of um, in, endemic, is the right word? Endemic abuse. Yeah. And it's just really moving. I'm really moved by it. And I think it's just, it, it, the subject matter is so important. Every now and again, it feels... They should give the Oscar just to highlight that. Yeah. Because I think this story... Well, what's amazing is this stuff has sort of come out now globally. Um, yeah. from the But there's still been almost no fallout from it. Do you know what I mean? It, it feels like it's just sort of people gone, ah, oh, oh well, 
we all sort of knew anyway. You know, it's... It doesn't seem it to feels be a huge to, story in the no, press. No, no. And, it feels, and six, it feels to me in Britain, certainly, that the BBC has perhaps got more slack from the high-profile people who've been released than uh, than the Catholic Church has. Yeah. Just because they are recognisable faces for the for the press, you know. Whereas it's like this is this is a far larger institution, the Catholic Church, and this has been happening for decades yeah. over the entire world. Six percent. Yeah. Astonishing. Astonishing. And it doesn't I think it takes a film like this to really make it uh, bring it into the public uh for well, I don't think it has been there enough. I mean I've not I've not noticed it. You know, and I covered it. I used to work in it around 2004. I was working for a news monitoring agency. Right. And I think I remember reading bits about it. It wasn't ever this huge, maybe it was big in Boston, but it never really, it was quite big. It never seemed to be as big as the story merited. Yeah. So I think that's one reason. And I think uh, it's really well done, really fascinating, really moving. Uh, The acting, brilliant all round. The subject matter is fascinating. Uh, Tom McCarthy directed it I don't know what he's, he's done before but I think this is the best I'll give it uh, nine marics wow it's got that and I think extra maric up for it is the uh, best of all the nominees and I think it's it's the second favourite I've looked at the odds to yeah. the Oscars it's the second favourite but do you think it can win over a uh, do you Leonardo know what the favourite guess what the favourite is Revenant no the Big Short is the favourite all round. The Big Short, what? which I think is no. I think it's, it's about money and making more money. Yeah, I think that's the. I think it's, it's got some good performance in it, but it's not the anywhere near the best of the films. But I suppose in everyone book. in the Academy loves money. That's how they got there, isn't it? It's just not interesting. Yeah. This is interesting. This is interesting. It's to, really the favourite, The Big Short. Yeah, The Big Short. It, the Big Short currently I've looked up is evens and spotlights two to one. I'm gonna put a bet. I'm gonna put an accumulator bet yeah. on all my Oscar picks. Okay, okay. I haven't seen Creed yet, and I think Sylvester Stallone's a favourite to get the best okay. sporting actor. Well, don't tell me what your picks are yet. We'll do that um, we'll do the, in the a couple of the weeks. Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Um, which will which will be interesting. I mean, it's um, you've seen them all, and I've seen very few. So uh, we'll see what happens. But go and see Spotlight. I think it's a really important film. Okay. I think it's really classly done. I think it tremendously helped by Michael Keaton's acting and uh, and uh, Mark Ruffalo, who is sensational. Oh, Michael Keaton! Just I love him. Anything. I love him. I he's still love few... his uh, his episode of Frasier. Do you have seen, seen that it. one where he plays Blaine Sternum, who's a con man uh, and Lilith's brother, and he's like the nemesis of Frasier. It's great. I was trying to write ideas for a, a sitcom. Yeah, I ended up on a YouTube. They've started doing the thing on YouTube where if they play the next thing. Yeah, automatically. You have to tell it to stop. But it's what's quite good. I was doing um, Cheers. And I didn't realise just how brilliant Cheers was. Yeah, yeah. And I got on a phrase, a little loop <laughs> yeah. of their whole relationship, their first meetings, okay. and then on, when they went on the TV programme together, and then when they first kissed. Uh, Cheers was so great. Yeah. Oh, great series. Yeah. It's brilliant stuff. Everyone in it. Is still sort of doing good work as well, aren't they? Incredible like, character and incredible yeah, writing yeah. was great. Anyway, so yeah, go and see, go and see that. Um, do you know what it is time for now? This. Um, some people are writing letters to me. 
Some people like writing letters, letters, letters. letters. <laughs> Here's a letter. Who's it from? Adam Summerger. What's he want? Well, I've had enough of my voice. So why don't, <laughs> you, we do all, some, why don't you do some bloody reading? Right, what shall I do it as? Oh, he's written P.S. I'm from Wakefield and have a quite strong Yorkshire accent. Easy. There's a lot of police today, David. Yeah, I know. It's all kicking off in Camden. It's all kicking off. Some people like writing letters, letters. Some people like committing crimes. Okay. Uh, Right. This is in a strong Yorkshire accent. Dear David Marrick, buddy and regular writer in a crisp web. Like you guys, I'm a big fan of documentaries. I've really enjoyed your recommendations. Favourites include Blackfish and the act of killing, so please keep them coming. If you could make a documentary about any subject, what would it be? Are there any subjects that haven't already been covered by documentaries that you know of that you think would be interesting to watch or you would like to know more about? I wouldn't want to think the film Fandango, good subject for a documentary, feature would get in the way of production of The Bumming Man. So I understand if it would be set for a release for a 2017 release. Also, on a recent cinema visit, a person sat in the row behind, continually rustled, uh, read mutilated, bags of confectionery through the entire film. Is it acceptable to turn round and tell the person to pack it the fuck in? <laughs> or do you just have to accept it's one of the issues of going to the cinema? If Marrick could make a video of his beaking hand technique for silent popcorn eating, it would be much appreciated. Take care and happy Wolfsballing uh, from Adam. Um, so two questions there. Number one, uh, you a subject for a documentary that has not yet been made. Any ideas? Well, I've already, already been making the Wolfsball documentary. I mean, that is number one. I mean, people are going to look back on that and go, how did it have such humble beginnings from being such a multi-million pound uh, enterprise these and my, days. Oh, you'll be pleased that my dad's making another thing. Oh, with your money? Yeah. Oh, good. good. Um, I'm glad it's not his money. And um, so I recently watched a great documentary as well. Yes. I don't know if you like sport, but it's called Once in a Lifetime and it's on YouTube and it's about New York uh, Cosmos. Okay. Who were the 19... When they tried to make uh, soccer or football, as we call it, big in the States. Right. And they got Pele and all these people yes, over. Yes, yes. And they made... And they were like normal football players, like bog standard football players playing against Pele. Yeah. And it's really great. And I, I love all the 70s feel to it. So I think a good sports documentary, because it gives you that... Good thing about sports documentaries. Oh, well, they've naturally got victory or failure yeah. in them, haven't they? So they've autom- automatically got it in. Um, yes, uh We've talked about the battered bastards of baseball before. Yeah, Portland we? Mavericks. Yeah, yeah, that was, was good. That was good. Um, I had somebody on Facebook uh, contact us, having tracked down Dear Zachary. We've talked about it a lot. Yes, uh, we will continue to talk about it. It's incredible. Uh, but yeah, they they said uh, thank you for recommending that because they have not uh, they have not felt those things outside of tragedy in their own lives so uh, it's an incredible film it's on YouTube Dear Zachary Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y track that one down uh, but in terms of subjects uh, for films that haven't been made I would genuinely I I did social anthropology at university complete waste of time but uh, I did my dissertation on t- 
theatre technicians as a tribe of people. Oh, yeah. And they are fascinating as a group because they are properly cohesive and their identity is totally tied into the role they play and each other. You know, and it's fascinating because because from the rafters and in the dark, they observe people who consider themselves individuals the entire time. They they In the, the space of the theatre, they are diametrically opposed to this other group who are actors but actors don't see themselves as a collective you know they see themselves all as it so it, it's it it is very interesting and can be very funny so i think that would be good i think we're in for um a fascinating time for documentaries because I think it's never the, been easier to get good footage well cause if you look at capturing the freeman it was great because you had well it's not it's really harrowing You've got all that footage of homemade things. Everyone films in, themselves these yeah. days. So, and even everyone's watched Making a Murderer on yeah. Netflix. And you think even 20 years previously, they've got, because so much of it was on TV, they were able to build up their yeah. huge archive of films. So I think it's going to be a big, it's well, all it's, down um, to the edit, I think. Well, but, I still haven't watched it, but Amy, made by the guys who made Senna, is prop, probably a documentary about the first sort of celebrity whose entire rise was documented because of the age she was born in rather than who she was. You know, I'm sure that story's been repeated many times in earlier decades, but they just don't have the footage. Yeah. So you're right. I think we've got a lot more access to everyone just by the way it all works now. Um, I would like to, I would like to hear about the people behind the scenes. So like you like to, you said technician, technicians. Yeah. I'd like to hear about sporting failures, about bit part actors, all people you don't necessarily hear about. There's all these untold stories, and I think there's good examples that Twenty Feet from Stardom, yeah, which they did, which was, which we got nothing to ask so about. So much the, uh... more interesting. I mean, because the history of storytelling and it still persists. It still pervades in in cinema and especially television, and a lot in novels as well. Is the history or stories of incredibly wealthy people, yeah. and that's you know hugely overrepresented in terms of the the population of the world, you know, where most of most people have fuck all, yeah. um, but are fed stories about people who have everything, you know, even kings and queens and princesses going back hundreds of years, but it's we still seem to be fascinated by people who can afford enormous dresses and uh, all the time in the world to just. Uh, you know, go on and on and on about the minutiae of their interpersonal yeah. relationships. It, you know, we, we we perhaps need different stories. <laughs> I worry that, that people are so media aware, media savvy now. Yeah, that it's going to change. It's going to be difficult to get that honest footage. And I've you know, used an example before. You know, when you had kids on Saturday morning programs, and, they, and back in the seventies and eighties, they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, and now if you look on X Factor. Oh, but now mimicking, everyone sounds their... exactly the same. Always yeah. the saddest story. They're crying. They, it would mean it's not saying anything remotely individual or yes. interesting. Yeah, they're mimicking people they've seen be in their position on telly. Yeah, aren't they? And you, yeah, no, totally. And the second question there was whether it is uh, acceptable to turn around and tell people to shut the fuck up in a cinema. I always take popcorn from cinema. I know it's frowned upon, but I think what a popcorn eating guide. You can eat popcorn quietly. Yeah, open the bag. Up. I don't even open the bag in the trailers. I open it during the shit advert, which at the moment is the Volkswagen one. Sure. Open the bag up. One clean thing. Boom. 
So you, you take your own bag of popcorn rather than you buy them. I don't buy it. I okay. take because it's eight pounds or something to buy, and it's about one pound for 50. some corn. Yeah, I mean we feed it to chicken. I always sit at the back, away from yeah. everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't like sitting near people in the cinema. So I will, I will be, and I and you can the beat technique works. You put the open up the bag. It's the it's the sweets. I think is the real problem, which has a bag and then individually wrapped crinkly plastic. But you've got thing. to be a prick to take us. You really do into a cinema when the amount of uh, available sweets that are just soft and silent. You know, out there. I do enjoy the popcorn. I, I know that is right, but I think you can eat that quietly. Some people just are. Some people are just assholes. Yeah, I I like to think yes, you are entirely vindicated in telling someone to shut the fuck up. That said, I've never done it because I just didn't want to, you know, I, cause more trouble. I did when I there was other kids. How did, being did it work though? I walked past and I put my phone light on on yeah. my iPhone and shone it in their faces. Oh, so okay, and did that <laughs> work? Really intimidated them, yeah. Right, but yeah. There's like about fourteen old kids messing around, and a bald man who's sitting by himself comes up and shines a torch in their faces and tells them to shut up. Oh, did Silence. you say shut up? Yeah. And did they? Did were yeah, they terrified? They, they were terrified. They yeah. had a horrible afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> that man's going to kill us. Good. Yeah, no, I might well kill you. So intimidation rather than politely asking. Is if you're making technique. noise, then the problem is somebody makes a noise like that and they're totally unaware of how they're affecting other people's yeah. things, they're probably dicks and mental in the first place. So well, they're sort of people you're going to... Possibly. They're the people who are going to argue back and be knobs, are they? Yeah, so just frighten them. Don't try and... Don't yeah, respect them. Like, occasionally you get like, sort of older women... I watch them on the afternoons in Crouch End. Yeah. And you think you get well-behaved people, but if you, it's terrible, you get the older women in their 50s and 60s who think it's fine for it to be a social thing where they're sitting two rows from you, they're going to talk to each other about, or someone has to say, comment the whole way through. Think, yeah. Well, don't, just don't, if you can have a chat, go and sit in the coffee bar. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the new one that, that does my head in is people looking at their phone with this bright they, light. They started in saying in the adverts, vision. the bright light is distracting as well. Yeah. Doesn't mean people will stop, though, does it? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a terrible world we live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it is absolutely awful. On that note, um, I believe the final film we need to cover. Oh, to we've got some more letters. Oh, we do. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Oh, I've got a letter here from Rob Marland. What does he want? He's only the the um, uh, the the uh, uh, captain of the West Wirral Snake Hips football team. Bloody hell, this is a bit glamorous. Hello, Rob, I hope you're well. I saw me saying that. Anyway, here, here is the letter. Uh, oh, Princess Diana. He wants us to read it in Princess Diana. Princess Diana. Is that how she spoke? I forget. Did she speak like this? I don't know. She, she was definitely a delicate... She, she spoke with her head, like her ear stapled to her shoulder. I'm going to... Shall I do this one? Yes. Dear Chris Webb and Associates, in a recent episode, you talked about leaving the cinema halfway through a film. This is one of my favourite hobbies. <laughs> I flounced out of one of the subpar Pirates of the Caribbean sequels when it stopped for an intermission. Gone with the Wind or even The Hateful Eight can pull off an intermission, but this was a film about Johnny Depp licking a pebble. <laughs> no thanks, chum. I walked out of Guardians of the Galaxy because I've been led to believe it was a cross between the Indiana Jones and the Goonies set in space. I gave up waiting for it to stop being shit during in- interminable low-stakes scrap in, lit- in a brightly lit shopping centre. That's really the star. It is, yeah. That's the f- that's the second fight. I almost stormed out of Iron Sky because I'm not a massive racist. <laughs> Last night I sacked off I'm a Big Bird, the Carol Spinney story, 
when the man behind one of the most lovable Muppets related a story about the time he discovered that his costume had been torn to bits by unruly students and said, it was like finding my child raped and destroyed. What wow. a dickhead. <laughs> like Marek, I stopped watching Diana after 30 minutes. It's no longer on Netflix, so I will never see the rest. Best, Rob Marland. Well, so apparently nobody has seen to the end of Diana so far in terms of our survey. That's two no's. Um, Zero yeses. Uh, we've talked about walking out films before, haven't we? I mean, yeah, well, we have. We have. We've got another letter. Oh, yeah. It is about Spotlight. Uh, it's from Tyler Rund. Uh, and he's from. It wants a Texan drill. Okay, it will be deeply inaccurate. My American accents are duff. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, David, Mara, buddy, and sometimes Danielle. I was too late to be the first to suggest Turbo Kid, which I second as great fun, was surprisingly likable acting. But when I heard you talking about Spotlight, I found another chance to chime in. If you're indeed underwhelmed by this year's Best Of category, I think Spotlight is just the film for you. I was avoiding the film at first, given its heavy theme, but I eventually heard too much praise to keep myself in the dark. I found it to be a riveting investigative journalism classic with Mark Ruffalo turning in an Oscar favorite performance. The editing and pacing are particularly good. I was fascinated throughout every step of the mystery unfolding. I give it 9 out of 10 Tylers and 10 out of 10 Ruffalos. Y- y'all best give me your darndest Texan drawl, you hear? Keep watching the films. Uh, so that's another... Yeah. Well, Tylers put it... A review much more succinctly than I did, and better in a few words. So, uh, yeah, popular ruffaloing, um, the the running of the ruffalos. Um, um, well, I might try and track down Spotlight. I find it very hard to go to the cinema these days. Um, <laughs> I suppose I could try and find the time to do doing a film podcast this regularly. Um, I've been so I'm going to talk about another film. Yes, please, if you could. I'm sorry for listeners having to deal with me talking about. Uh, Relentlessly to bang on about films. Um, Buddy's come to see Marek again. Hello, Buddy. I went to see another film. It's called Youth. Youth? It is by director Paolo uh, Sorrentino, who directed The Great Beauty, which got nominated for an Oscar for Best Foreign Film either last year or the year before. This is about... uh, So it's Michael Caine, Harvey Keitel, Rachel Weisz in it. It is about, uh, Michael Caine plays this, um, retired con- uh, conductor, and he's staying in this Swiss sort of hotel in the middle of uh, the Alps, um, just on holiday. He's retired, so he's just hanging out there. Harvey Cartel's a film director who's gone to write there, uh, Rachel Weiss's daughter who comes to visit. There's other people staying there, Maradona. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, How's he looking? It's someone, an actor playing Maradona. Oh, okay. Uh, they've uh, Paul Dano is playing an actor who's researching his next role there. Now, this is really split people. For the first uh, twenty minutes, I thought this film. I didn't look especially like it, and then I sort of got into the pace of it. The whole way it felt, it felt like. I think this is absolutely amazing. I think it's a phenomenal film. I've not seen... I think this um, 
Sorrentino, Paolo Sorrentino is a genius. I mean, an absolute genius. I'm not seeing you. You feel as if you can watch it forever because there's no particular. The critics have said there's no arc to it. It's a mess. It's all over the place. But you're just dipping into Michael Caine's life and Harvey Keitel's life and various other people as they have conversations, as they have different moments of just. It could be like a short little encounter that lasts a minute. Mm. Uh, Harvey Keitel just walks in one moment he walks through the foyer of the hotel and he sees this young girl who's obviously working as a bit of a prostitute there and she sort of does a look at him and he sort of shakes his, his head and it's a really brilliant moment and there's some moments that don't work there's like but I mean uh, Paloma Faith plays as a, who I cannot stand is is in it as a sort of a cameo role as someone who someone a lover runs off with right it's just like a pastiche of just lots of different moments in their lives, all intertwined above them staying in this hotel. And that he's retired and he's asked by the maestro, Michael Caine, is asked to go and play, uh, conduct in front of a queen. And, and he doesn't want to do it, his famous song, because he's retired. Once you get into the first 20 to 30 minutes, the decisions the director makes are so brave. Like putting Maradona in your... In your film, was a, a really fat old Maradona who still wants to play football, just doing weird stuff. Yeah, he makes staggeringly brave decisions, which are sh- sort of shocking and weird, but brilliant. And there are bits that don't work. There are bits that fall on their faces. There are bits that you think this is rubbish. There's a moment when, like Michael Caine, he's a bit of a spoiler. He goes into when I started to love it. He goes into a field on the Alps, so it's all set in this otherworldly place, which feels a bit like that sort of. Grand Budapest Hotel were better but more realistic. Yeah. And they had different acts on every night, uh, weird acts playing in the in the garden. Uh, and Michael Caine goes to, and he's into this field and he sits there and he's thinking and he starts conducting the cows and the sounds and they all come together as sort of the sound. And you think, I mean, it's such a ridiculous idea, but it sometimes worked. And I was so moved at several points in this film by these beautiful moments. You think, I know what's going to happen next. And it looks beautiful every shot looks beautiful and the director he said to people do you know what I'm like, I just want you to just stand in the balcony and I'm going to do some weird stuff going on there and I'm just going to stand there you can imagine I can imagine other actors going well you can't ask Michael Caine just to be in the background for this scene while this thing goes on yeah. but obviously they, they went with him because he's a real un- a unique auteur I think he's I mean if I watched this ten, film ten years ago I would have hated it, right. I think. But it's about getting old. I'm not, you know, I'm 39, but it's about getting old. He's got a theme, a bit like the great beauty, looking back on life and seeing life as this ever-changing, constantly fluctuating. Some bits don't make sense. Something happens. You can't understand it. You talk about weird stuff you don't even know, how they're losing their memories, how they uh, don't know how to act, how their bodies are changing different people going through different moments in their life it's the whole chaos of life and I think it's put beautifully and the soundtrack is phenomenal and the song the main song to it is one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard which is just I just sat there at the end in total awe of the cinema and I was the youngest I went with my girlfriend everyone there was over like 50 or 60 Right. and I read the comments and people think it's a mess I think it's a glorious mess and it stay with me all week. I can't get out of my mind. I want to carry on watching it. I want, I want, to, I want to sit there 
and I want to watch what happens because it feels like you're almost watching a soap opera where there's no there's no sense of here's what's going to here's here's the end of this film yeah, yeah. here's this here's the, the characters developing he, the director's gone fuck that I'm going to put all these moments in and I think it's brilliant and some of you watch it are going to absolutely hate it <laughs> but I really it's rare uh, I, I loved it I give it 10 wow Ten merit. Uh, and and it is so flawed in places. It's so flawed, but so brave as well. I just think if you want to watch something completely different from someone who just changes the way when you first watch something, that's different. It's hard. You think I hate this. I don't understand it. But then you realise you're seeing something totally new. Yeah. So you uh, submit to it really. Yeah, I, it was a brilliant cinematic experience, and you must go and sit in the cinema to see these beautiful rolling, you know, Swiss hills. You feel, you know, you feel like you're going. You, I said, my mum said, we've probably been on holiday, but we've been somewhere else, yeah, yeah. and that's a real achievement when you walk out of cinema and you think, I feel like I've been away, I feel like I've been to a different place. So, well done, uh, Paolo uh, Sorrentino, and the soundtrack is brilliant as well. I loved it. Well, there's youth. There's youth. A hearty recommendation from Marek. Um, well, that'll do for this week, I think. Yeah. Um, do please write in and tell us your Oscars predictions. Uh, we are looking for best film, best director, best actor, best actress, best supporting actor and best supporting actress. And if you get them right, there will be a prize. So uh, please email us at dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Uh, and we do all of this for free. So if you are a regular listener and would like to contribute towards it continuing into the future, then please go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the links from there. And everyone who has, thank you very, very much. We will be back next week. Keep, Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.